Welcome, Pew Report readers, viewers, and listeners to another edition of the Pew Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. We've got a great show to you. We're going to talk about the Darwin extension, uh, the Evans restructure, and what the Bucks could do at free agency. But wowza, do we just get a bombshell drop by the insiders of the NFL. Devontae Adams is headed to the Raiders. What does that mean for the Bucks' path to the NFC to the NFC to get to another Super Bowl? Me, JC Allen of PewterReport.com, and Josh Quapo are going to be talking to you about it right now. Josh, first reactions on that deal. Are you serious? So I know uh, Kyle Brandt of uh, Good Morning Football. He, he hates the eyes emoji, but that's what it is. Everyone in football right now has the eyes emoji because Devontae Adams leaving the Packers, going to the Raiders, that is huge. That shakes up not only the NFC, it definitely shakes up the AFC West, shakes up all of football, and it's news. It is a lot of big news. Oh, it's it's huge, and, and the compensation was crazy. I mean, the Raiders only give up a first and second round pick this year. Obviously, the contract, you include that in the deal. It's a five-year deal worth 141 0.25 million dollars making him the highest paid receiver in the nfl over uh, deandre hopkins so i mean that's it, it's a huge huge move that shakes up the entire nfc and aaron Rodgers knew about it supposedly he knew that he could be on his way out and he still resigned there was you know months of will he won't he retire is he going to the broncos what is he doing and he decides to resign. It comes out that he knew about that. And, and just as Leo's saying, we appreciate the super chat. Every team got weaker except for the Bucks. The the path to the to the Super Bowl to the NFC, it, it looks pretty strong right now because you look at what the Rams did. They lost Von Miller. They lost their number two cornerback. They lost their you know their nose tackle, Sebastian Joseph Day. They brought in Allen Robinson, but. You know, they, they haven't gotten stronger on the defensive side of the ball, and you can't just outscore everybody. So you look at that, and then you look at what the Packers just did, taking away their best weapon, letting wide receivers get signed up like an Allen Robinson. And, mm -hmm. you know, now we're, we're, what's their move? What is What are they going to do? You have to think that even though he knew about it, Aaron Rodgers is just – He's just beside himself. Just <laughs> what did I get myself into? Jeopardy was calling. I could have just stayed at Jeopardy. What's going on? But instead, no, he's back with the with the uh, Packers, and there is really no weapons for him. Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Mercedes Lewis. Well, yeah, it it's it looks pretty bleak there. Um, you know, the it, I think notoriously Green Bay has not picked a wide receiver in the first round in twenty years at this point. Every year, everyone says this is the year they've got to do it right. But I mean, really, this is the year they've got to go wide receiver in the first round, right? Especially now because they're picking twice in the first round after the compensation for Devontae Adams. So you would think so. But, yeah, you know, Green Bay does what Green Bay wants. Yeah, I mean, it's making it's making that Jordan Love pick look even stupider right now. And then going A.J. Dillon and then paying Aaron Jones the next year. I, I – you know, I don't know what the plan is. You know, maybe they, they retain MVS. Maybe they're looking at a Julio Jones or Odell Beckham Jr. is on the market, but he's not going to be ready until about November. You know, does he want to come off an ACL tear and then go learn a new offense? It's it's really going to be interesting what they do. Maybe they make a trade with the Rams for Robert Woods now, who's kind of the third guy on that team. 
they're gonna have to do something. And even if they do draft the guy, how quickly can he get up to speed? Is he going to come out the gates? We know, you know, teams have had great success with first round wide receivers the past few years, but can they get a guy at that spot? I think they're picking what 18, the Raiders somewhere around there. The Raiders are. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's going to be super interesting how the, they fill this team out because they've also lost a Darius Smith. They've also lost a few other players on that defense. Roswell Douglas, their starting cornerback is still remains unsigned. So what are they going to do now? They opened up a bunch of money with, you know, relinquishing that, that franchise tag, but, they have to make some moves and they're going to have to do it soon to field a team that's going to be, you know, up to Rogers standards and able to compete in the NFC for Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not a team devoid of talent. They still have a lot of talent on that defense, but they have some very noticeable holes and it's how they go about filling those holes. And I think the number one concern at this point has to be wide receiver. And if you look at the free agent market, it's the, the top tier guys are gone. And so now they're looking at second tier dudes um, who can help, but every successful offense tends to have that number one, that alpha. And, and right now, Green Bay doesn't. So it'll be interesting to see where they go to get it. Um, there's still going to be players. You know, you look at the NFC North, it's by no means a juggernaut division. Green Bay should still be the odds-on favorite to move out of there into the playoffs. Um, but once they get to the playoffs, the current holes they have make them definitely a... Uh, a human team, right? They can be beat. And uh, Tampa Bay, we've got, you know, the Bucks have a difficult schedule, but within their division, at least at this moment, it looks very winnable with the division opponents. And once you get into the playoffs, you stack up Tampa Bay's current roster against Green Bay's. I'll take Tampa Bay's right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you there. And looking at the, you know, the John Ledyard, obviously at pewterreport.com, put up a post today on Twitter about the top players in each position. And looking at the wide receivers left in free agency, you have Juju, you have Will Fuller, OBJ, obviously injured, not back from November, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, Emmanuel Sanders, Valdez Scantling, who's obviously been with the, the Packers, and Cole Beasley. So, your, your options, as you said, are all number two and below, guys. And the craziest thing, they just had Randall Cobb take a pay cut. <laughs> you just took a pay cut to stay in Green Bay. But what? Yeah. what you know, you, you oh, just right those now, to, be the number one. One. to be the number one. He is the number one right now, which is crazy. You have Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. Now, again, they'll probably draft one or two guys who have to think in the draft, whether it's at, you know, they're going to back-to-back for a second round, depending on who's available, and try to fill that room through the draft. But you still need some veteran guys on there that Rodgers can lean on, that he's not going to get frustrated midseason because these guys are in the wrong spot, running the wrong route, can't get separation against NFL-quality corners. So it's it's going to be really, really interesting to see what they what they can do and what they're going to be able to do. Um, once, once free agency, you know, once they dip into the free agent pool, because – Guys are getting snatched up, and they could have had a guy like Allen Robinson. They missed the boat on that opportunity, and, and you know now they have to scramble and try to fill out that wide receiver room. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Absolutely. Uh, but one room that's not going to have to be worried about is the one here in Tampa because that's right. A matter of fact, the Buccaneers slapped the franchise tag, and we knew it was a mean to an end, but – they, they got their man locked up. I mean, he's locked up three years, $60 million, 40 guaranteed. It's funny because we, every, we all looked at that 
Mike Williams deal was like, wow, they're paying Mike Williams what? That's gonna try to that's gonna you know set Chris Godwin up for a big payday, and then obviously Christian Kirk got paid bananas money from Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> who who Balky's over there. No wonder why Byron Leftwich didn't want to go there. Balky's over there spending money like he's you know about to get divorced, and they're gonna about to shut the joint checking account off. So he's just buying handbags. <laughs> Versus whatever he can, expensive things. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, we were all kind of like, okay, so what's, what's he going to get? 20, 21, 22, what's his market? But he ends up getting $20 million a year, very similar to Mike Williams deal because they shared the same agent, but it's set up a little bit differently. It's not set up the same way they attacked on void years and, and Josh, you're our cap guy. So kind of break down how this deal is spread out. What's the cap hit this year and what's it look like for the bucks going forward? Yeah. So um, the, very similar deal to Mike Williams, like you said, but the difference is really what the quarterback situation is between the two se- two teams. The chargers have uh, Justin Herbert on a rookie quarterback deal, which means that he doesn't count much against the cap so that they can have larger cap numbers right now until he gets his big deal down the line. And so with that, Mike Williams ends up with a $14 million cap hit in year one. The Bucks had to go a different route. So the overall numbers are the same, three years, $60 million, 40 guaranteed, but the Bucks needed to reduce Chris Godwin's cap hit for 2022. And the way they did that was they tacked on two extra, what we call void years. Um, they're dummy years to allow for the signing bonus to be prorated out over a longer period of time. So Chris Godwin's signing bonus was $20 million. Doesn't have to be divided out over the three years that he's under contract for, it's divided out over five years. So that 20 million splits out into 4 million per year. And then the Bucks were able to um, put on another, I wanna say million, million and a half of base salary, which means that this year his cap hit is only about $5 million. That does mean that in years two and three, they're gonna be bigger cap hits but those, those salaries can again be prorated out into the void years and allow the Bucks to some flexibility in how they want to manage his cap number until year two or three when they may talk extension. So for yeah. right now, what it does is it allows the Bucks to bring back more players. Chris Godwin with a $5 million cap hit is absolutely what you want to hear about as a Bucks fan for 2022 as they really try and go for another Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the deal, you know, team friendly, the way he set it up. I know he didn't want to leave Tampa. Him and his wife have been very vocal about not wanting to go to a cold weather climate after being in Penn uh, Penn State (laughs) in college in Delaware growing up. You know, so you kind of looked at the options and you know he wasn't going to Jacksonville. Maybe if Byron went there, that would have been an opportunity. But, you know, you know he wasn't going there, not going to Dallas, probably not moving all the way to L.A. or or one of those teams. So it really maybe Miami, but Tampa was always home for him, was always going to be the thing. Once they tagged him, you knew there was going to be a a way for them to come to an agreement on a deal and, you know, obviously the way he did it, opening up cap space, you know, getting that that money up front as well. Forty million guaranteed at signing is just a great deal for him. And him and his wife are, uh, you know, put posts on Instagram appreciating the journey and what the Bucks, the deal that the Bucks gave him. So you got to love that. You got to love the, the cap space that they open because right now they're currently. 20.6 20.8 over the cap uh under the cap right now they've got a lot of money to to spend so to speak but one of those big things shoes that haven't hasn't dropped is the Shaq mason deal because once that Shaq mason deal goes through it's going to subtract about 7.8 million which leaves them around 12.6 somewhere around there 
guesstimate range. We don't know, you know, what the actual number is. That's a, including um, Russell Gage's contract, which is not, you know, uh, official yet, or Aaron Stinney's as well. So, and Brashad Perriman as well. So, they, they have money to spend. And that was that money opened up there, you know, that extra little bit of money because they'd only be sitting around $2 million was opened up once again. You guys already know who probably helped open up that money. But Mr. Mike Evans, Mike Evans is a consummate team guy for us. And let's let's get this straight. And Josh, you made a great joke in the group chat. He's getting this money up front. So it really doesn't matter to him. You know, people are like, oh, he's such a team guy. And I'll preface it by saying he is a team guy, but he's also getting a boatload of money up front rather than later in the contract. So most players don't mind doing that. In fact, some players even have it written in their contract where it's not even a phone call you have to make. You just do it. Daniel Hunter of the Vikings is one of those guys. So um, he opens up that money for the Bucks to let them kind of bring back some guys. And you have to hope that that's what they're going to do is, you know, not only look at their own guys in free agency, but trying to make a splash here. And, you know, the exact numbers, because it wasn't a traditional restructure, right? They, they, I think they had another void year or something on there, right, Josh? Yeah, so un- under a traditional restructure with the amount of years left on um, on Evans's deal, they could have opened up about $9.7 million in, in extra cap room. They ended up opening, I want to say, about 10.6. And the, it, what they did was they added another void year to push some extra uh, prorated bonus money down the down the line. I think the big thing, JC, you know me, like I'm, I, I'm, I love doing the numbers, but I know that for our viewers and our readers and our listeners, it's more about what's the big picture. And, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds on, on, on everything that's done, but the big thing is, is that the Bucks still have a lot of flexibility to move with the market in a way that they feel will benefit their team. So if they see a player that they like, they can absolutely afford almost anybody who's out on the market right now. Um, they've still got the flexibility because they've still got some other contracts that they could restructure or potentially extend in order to give them more room. And you're going to hear different numbers out there from different people who are examining the cap. And a lot of it just comes down to what deals are they currently counting? Because a lot of these deals have been reported, but not actually triggered. And so you're going to hear a lot of different numbers. The big thing to understand as a fan of the team is that they have the flexibility to do what they really feel is best for putting the best team together for 2022. Um, and, And they've got a few different people that they could go to. They could do a Brady restructure, or they could extend him if he's open to that. They can touch Donovan Smith's deal. They can touch Levante David's big deal. Um, Shaq Mason, once he is officially on the roster, there's some money to open up there by um, reducing his base salary and pushing some guaranteed money down the road. So if you're a fan of the team, if there's a player that you really think that the Bucs could use that will make their team better, the cool thing to know, I can't predict that the Bucs will get that, that player, but they have the ability to. And that's the one thing that Jason Light, Mike Greenberg, and the entire team in, the, in their ops department is really great, is cre- allowing themselves the flexibility to move with the market to create the best roster possible. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned that, that they have the, the flexibility to go out there and get a potentially a big name player that, you know, one of these guys has just got cut or is still on the market. You've got the chat in a frenzy right now. They're they are energized right now with dropping <laughs> names. And you know what? You know who else is energized right now? Who's that? I am. 
because I'm drinking my Celsius. I know it's 8.45 at night right now, but I've got a bunch of stuff to do. Uh, I'm holding down the fort by myself while my wife is up in Boston. So, you know, I can't leave the house a mess when she comes home. So after this pod, I've got to go clean up like a madman. But, you know, I, I love these things, whether it's in the morning, whether it's at night, before the gym. These things are amazing. Celsius is, is definitely the best energy drink on the market right now. It, it powers active lives of functional essential energy it's sugar-free there's no crash uh to be an understatement i i used to drink other you know energy drinks and i would always kind of even the sugar-free ones i'd always feel a crash but with celsius that's not the case and not only isn't that the case there's so many limited flavors you can get but with celsius you don't have that you have so many flavors and this is only like six seven flavors they've just come out with another four five six flavors they've got obviously the tropical vibe is a great one uh wild berry is one of the ones that i this is the first celsius i ever drank john talked me into it after we were at rookie mini camp back last year i'm like all right let me try this let me see what the hype is and i've been hooked ever since the orange tastes like orange soda the cola tastes like cola it's great too if you want to use it for a mixer um but i mean if you're if you're sore off a of soda so like i can't say enough about celsius it's absolutely amazing and Obviously, if you want to know where to find Celsius, you should by now because you've been listening to this podcast as a, as a dedicated member. and We appreciate that. But go on Celsius.com. Go to the store locator. You can find what stores near you have Celsius available. Pretty much they're everywhere now. I haven't been to a store where I haven't seen a Celsius. Or you can always go on Amazon and go to the subscribe and save. That's a great option to just show up at your door. It's amazing. You don't even have to worry about it. It's just every month you get new new Celsius, different flavors. You can get the variety pack. So it's definitely a good option. Order the ones you like. Order the ones you don't like after you try variety pack. And Celsius doesn't just have energy drinks. They also have these awesome protein bars, the fast protein bars, which are absolutely amazing as well. I definitely, definitely recommend you checking these out. The cookies and cream, the white chocolate. They're absolutely amazing. And the good news is, as you can see on the screen, if you go on Amazon right now and enter the code 20HOLDFAST, you can save 20% on these fast bars right now. And they are amazing. They taste like candy bars. Not, they don't taste like sawdust like the other competitors out there. I almost dropped the name, but I'm not going to do that. I want, don't want to get us in trouble. But trust me, the fast bars, the Celsius energy drinks, if you haven't had them yet, you definitely have to, have to look into that. But let's address the elephant in the room. Um, Skip Bayless. <laughs> I feel funny even just saying this. Skip Bayless today on his podcast mentioned that from one of Julio Jones's close people, he got a, a message that said Tom Brady slid into Julio Jones DM and said, Hey, come join the sunshine and play down here. Um, what are your thoughts on a potential Julio Jones signing for the Bucks? Are you on that? Are you not on that? I mean, it depends what type of guy we're getting. What what Julio Jones are we getting out of this? Are we getting, you know, are we getting this Julio Jones? Or are we getting this Julio Jones? Like, which <laughs> one are we getting? And even this, is this like end of career Julio Jones at Atlanta when he's always injured? What are your thoughts on the whole Julio Jones talk that's been out there? I know some fans are excited to see it, but what do you, what do you think overall on it? Yeah, I'm not going to comment on the quality of Skip Bayless's sources, um, but in Please terms don't. of the premise of the idea, if you look at Julio Jones last year, you know the, the Titans traded for him, and what he needed to be for that offense um, was a compliment to A.J. Brown, right? And, and something who could help open up the offense mm -hmm. and allow defenses to not key in so much on Brown. 
and on um why am i forgetting the running back's name derrick henry right derrick henry um and unfortunately you know just julio seemed to be past his prime he was not healthy for most of the year and so he wasn't what they needed him to be now you look at tampa bay's offense the bucks don't need him to be that right they've got evans they've got godwin they signed russell gage they've got some uh, very specific role players beyond that in terms of Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, Jalen Darden, and Brashad Perryman. Um, so if the team wants Julio on the team, it's a, a big upside play. You don't you figure he's not going to sign a big contract. The Bucks already have three receivers under big contract. So he's going to be coming in for pretty cheap. And anything he gives you is icing on the cake. So if Julio Jones ends up on the Bucks roster, me looking at it from the outside in, I say that that's a ton of upside for not a lot of risk because it's not going to be a big contract. It's not going to be where he's necessary to the offense to perform. So if Julio Jones ends up on the Bucks roster, all the better for it. That's yeah, a I lot of upside with very little downside. Yeah, I think it's all all what the contract is, right? You, you don't want to give a, give a guy six, set, anything over, I think, three and a half with incentive. The Julio, uh, Julio uh, Antonio Brown deal. Would be perfect for Julio Jones, something like that, kind of with some incentives in there, 3.5, 2.5 million, you know, a little bit over the veteran minimum to see. And and this is all assuming that Julio wants to try to win a ring. You know, he's right. been the best wide receiver in football, number two wide receiver in football, and he's fallen off. He's had injuries, you know, and, and even still last year he played 10 games. He wasn't himself. Obviously, everyone could see that he finished with 31 receptions, 434 yards and a touchdown. And he still posted a pretty decent receiving grade of 74.9 per our friends over at Pro Football Focus. Um, you know, so it's it's one of those things where I know a lot of fans are in, especially Leo, another with another super chat. Appreciate that, Leo, saying I'm all in for Julio. He's not going to take his shirt off in the middle of a game. No, I thought Julio was going to do, do that. Uh, but Evans, Gawain, Gage, Julio, Gronk, Lenny, I mean, wow. I mean, Lenny's obviously someone that – Bates monitoring. We don't know if he's coming back or not. Gronk, I mean, it's pretty much a toss-up. He's coming, but I think yeah, if, if he's if he's willing to come in and compete for that, or or even just slot right into that number four role behind Gage, I think you have to you know try it out. I mean, yeah, it's, the, it's the buck. Yeah, it, for the buck side, I mean, it, it's it's a big win again, depending on the contract. For me, looking at it, especially you know looking at, at it within the context of what just happened in Green Bay what's the upside for Julio? That, that's the thing that I keep coming back to. I think there are some situations out there, depending on, on how much interest uh, is shown in him, where he comes to Tampa Bay, he, you know, he's going to be the number four guy, most likely. There are a lot of other places where he could be the number two guy. In Green Bay, apparently, he could be the one at this point. Um, so from his standpoint, it really comes down to what's important to him at this point in, the career, in his career. He came very close to winning a ring a few years ago. Uh, the guy under center for the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay kind of ruined that for him. And, uh, you know, maybe he does want to join forces with Tom Brady to finally get that ring. There's a version where, you know, Julio's still interested in being an alpha receiver, being a, a major contributor to an offense. And Tampa's not going to be able to, Tampa Bay's not going to be able to sell him on that because their wide receiving core is fairly set at the top three. Right. So, I mean, if, if he's willing to come in and be that, that number four guy and, and, you know, be, cause I mean, let's face it, Tampa, 
uses four wide receivers quite a bit. I mean, it's not like he's not going to see the field. It's not like he's going to be sitting on the sidelines, but it really depends on where his head is at. What is he looking for in this stage of his career? Because right now there's a huge opening in Green Bay. <laughs> so, I mean, that might be a spot we could go. I know there's always been some mutual respect between him and Bill Belichick, but obviously there's no Brady there. And if, if again, take Skip Bayless at a grain of salt, I don't trust his sources. I don't trust the guy personally, but – if Tom Brady is reaching out to recruiting, we know it's pretty hard to say no. But that's another thing, too. What's Julio's pride like? Is he willing to come in and be the number three guy under a gauge who he played for and was above the past three, four, three years before he obviously left last season for Tennessee? So it's an interesting issue. You know, are his hamstrings still there? It's like, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it depending on the contract. And I know we, we talk about how the cap is a myth and funny money, but at, there's some point where you, you, know, you talk about it that way. Not <laughs> I talk about it. All right. But at some point, there's got to be a, a line in the sand where you say, okay, this guy's not worth this much money. I think Julio's probably around three, three and a half million where you're not going to go. You're already spending almost $50 million on your receiving core, you know, as it is. So can you really add that guy? But again, if you, that takes away. Tyler Johnson's not on the team. Scotty Miller's not on the team, both making around a million dollars. That comes off. So now you're only paying like a million and a half, two million for Julio Jones if those guys don't make the team, which is a lot more palatable. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is Julio Jones, what, where does he, what are his priorities and, and kind of towards his character and, and all signs toward points are it's him being a high character guy. Uh, I recall back in 2019 when he was injured for quite a bit of the season, he was still out there before games. He was helping Calvin Ridley. He was helping Russell Gage better at their craft, making them better receivers. He goes to Tennessee last year, and he knew what his role was. He wasn't going to be the one. A.J. Brown was the one, and he accepted that role. So he seems very adept at understanding um, where he's going to work best within a team and embracing that role. So from that standpoint, I think he's a huge addition to the locker room. And, and as I said before, if Julio Jones is on this roster come August, September, I, I wouldn't be upset about it at all. Yeah, I mean, neither would I. I mean, but at one at a certain point, too, right? We've seen the Bucks add to this offense, offensive line, receiver, receiver. You know, Gronk is coming back at tight end. They've got to address the defense at some point, too. Yep. And there's a couple big names out there that fans have been clamoring over. Um, thanks to Jenna Lane over at ESPN putting a post up of Taran Matthew at Universal Studios over at the Volcano Park with, with none other than Todd Bull's uh, stepdaughter, who he's married to and has a child with, and his two sons. A lot of people have been talking about this guy. They want to see him with Jordan Whitehead leaving, Taran Matthew coming in here. You know, that family connection, obviously, you know, trying to win a ring, another great player, very versatile, can do everything in the back defensive backfield, play in the slot, play play close to the line in the box, can play as a free safety. He really allows you to do so much with Antoine Winfield Jr. back there and allows Mike Edwards to be that third safety type of guy who's going to be, you know, making plays for you. What what are the odds you think that they can afford a turn, Matthew, who made about $14 million last year? And what are your thoughts on him joining this this team at, as a whole? Because a lot of fans are clamoring for for him or or safety help, but deep, deep defensive help as a whole because they've got to make some moves on the defense right now. Because while they're set up offensively, you can't just score thirty plus on everybody and expect to win. Defense wins championships. We saw that in the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on Teron Matthew? Yeah, I think that he could be a very good fit for for this defense for any defense, and that's the great thing about Honey Badger is that he 
he's a do-it-all safety. He can encompass any role that you need him to. Um, he can play single high. He can play too high. He can come into the box. He can play the slot. So he would be a chess piece. We've seen Antoine Winfield Jr. In a, show similar skill sets in a much more limited um, exposure in Todd Bowles' defense because Todd Bowles has kept him kind of in the, in the backfield quite a bit. So this would allow Bowles to really start rotating the safeties in and out, creating different looks for quarterbacks, really throwing them a lot of change-ups because you'd have two guys who could basically do any role that you need them to. So I think he'd be a great fit for the, for the Bucks. The price tag is always going to be uh, an issue. And like I said before, the Bucks have the flexibility to do a lot. Um, if they went after Tieran Matthew, it would take away a lot of that flexibility. You know, he's going to command at least $12 million a year, maybe more. He's still not quite 30 years old, so I think he's going to try and cash in. He's not going to take uh, kind of a team-friendly deal. I think he's still going to command quite a bit of money. Of course, you can backload the deal, so they can bring down that 2022 number, but at some point, 2023 does come around, 2024 does come around, and you right. have to start accounting for all of these backloaded contracts. Um, can they get him? Yes. Would he make the defense better? I don't think there anybody questions that. Uh, will it happen? I hope so. I really do. <laughs> I do too. And uh, just looking at the guys out there right now, and that's not to say anything about Mike Edwards. And I think the coaching staff, judging by the fact that reportedly they didn't even offer a contract to, or even attempt to match the contract, which is relatively, you know, a good deal that, that Jordan Whitehead got. And, you know, we heard Carlton Davis mention that the no state income tax played a big part. And I think you probably he's playing in New York, which has got a pretty decent income tax. You could probably get him down to that. You know, he made seven and a half per year is what he's making up in New York. Maybe six, six and a half. You maybe could have talked them into um, definitely lower than seven and a half, I think, and still resigned Whitehead. So that that being said, I think they have all the confidence of Mike Edwards. But if you can get a guy like uh, Matthew, I think. You really have to look at that option there. And for him, I think a lot of it is going to be a situation where he feels he can win too. I don't think he, he's made some good money in his career. I don't think he's going to go go play with the Jets or go play with you know the Lions just to get the back. I think he's looking for a good situation where he has an opportunity to win and he has an opportunity to be used to his full advantage. So I think Tampa checks all those boxes. It's just how much does he command because looking at the safety market out there, there's really not many other guys who who I think they should look at in free agency. You got Terrell Edmonds of the Steelers. You got Jaron Curse, PJ Williams with the Saints, Kareem Jackson of the Broncos. He's up there, 33 years old. You know, you got Jaquiski Tart. Uh, with the 49ers, who's up there, his age, Anthony Harris, Jabil Peppers, Landon Collins was just released, and I don't really like any of those names. I think they would be better off looking at the draft at a Jaquan Brisker or Lewis Sign or or you know a uh, Jalen Petrie, one of those guys in the draft. Because I mean, look at Light's track record with drafting safeties. He's been phenomenal with it. If Justin Evans to get injured, you know you're probably set there right now. You've got a great battle. So. You know, I, I love the thought. I just, again, it comes down to money. I don't think, um, I, I don't, I don't think it's not a fit. I don't think it's not something a place where he'd like to play. I just don't know if he, they're going to be able to afford him and still be able to make moves that they need to make going into the off season. Yeah, and, and I think uh, you know Scott Reynolds makes a really good point about the Bucks. They, with almost every player, they've got their number that they enter into negotiations and they say, this is the number that we're willing to go up to. They may not tell the player that at the beginning because it is a negotiation, but there's a certain number that they're not willing to go past. Right. 
with the way that they've set up this roster and, and specifically at the safety group with Mike Edwards there, the, it allows them the ability to say that we're not going to go past this number with, say, a tier And they do have options in the draft to, to create depth behind Edwards. So it gives them that ability to not overpay and not put themselves in a bad situation down the line. If this great player is willing to come in at this number that we've set, that's great. That makes the team better. If not, they have, and I'll keep going back to this because it's amazing that the Bucks are able to do this on a year-in, year-out basis. They have the flexibility to move with how they want to go. And, and that's really what makes this fantastic and makes this organization really great over the last three, four years. Right, exactly. And with the cap going up there, there's so much flexibility i think that's a key word right now with what you can do with contracts because you don't have many players under contract that will change once you get players on the contract and drafts and next year's free agency class which for the bucks which isn't that big i mean you got levante david as one of the guys you don't really have many guys that are going to be free agents and that could change just one year deals with players and stuff like that if Gronk comes back maybe you're looking at that but i think you know with the cap going up because of you know the tv contracts and that's not even including gambling once gambling gets rolled in at all i mean they could go up even higher, but I want to focus on something you said. You don't want to put yourself in a bad position, right? Is what you said there. And no. I don't want our subscribers to put our, themselves in a bad position either. So if you have not subscribed to our Peter Report TV YouTube channel, do so right now. If you're watching on Twitter, on Facebook, switch over. The live chat is so much more lively on there. You, can, you know, communicate with everyone in here who's watching with you. Also, hit that notification bell. That way, every time we are live, you'll get notified and you won't miss a show. And even if you do have to miss it, you, you'll be able to go back and watch it. And if you could please like the video, like, hit that like button, smash it, tell your friends, smash that like button. That helps our SEO on Google. It's more people find us, which obviously brings us more money, which allows us to do more things. And, and you know, like we've got the draft coming up. We just sent people to the combine. John and Matt went to the combine. Casey, John and Matt went to the senior bowl. So that, all that stuff allows us to be able to do that. And uh, we really appreciate your your help in, in growing the brand because our goal here is to give you the best coverage. And I think we're I think we're doing a good job at that. But any help from you guys, including those super chats, you know, they, they really help us out as well. Um, but another guy I want to talk about is a guy who was cut today and a guy who fits exactly what Bruce Aarons was talking about at the combine. He said he yeah. needs he wants to get quicker on the interior. Right. He wants a, a, because. You know, there's another Vita Vea is not going to come around, but this guy's pretty dang close to a Vita Vea. And, uh, you know, he's still a good run stuffer. And, and that man is Fletcher Cox of the Eagles. You know, you see him right there putting Kirk Cousins into the ground uh, a few years ago when Kirk was still back there, but he's not dropped off at all. You look at what he was able to do last year. Uh, four sacks, still getting back there, two forced fumbles. I mean, his pass, pass rush grade from PFF was 74.1. He he's, he still gets back there. 31 hurries, six hits, 41 total pressures on the quarterbacks. Not to mention, if you're running at him, good luck. He had 20 stops last year. Uh, so, I mean, this guy is he, he's just everything you want to be. He's also a very intense player. I don't know if you guys remember watching uh, that, that playoff game. I'm sure you did, but and then they came out, Ryan Jensen was mic'd up. He's a very competitive dude. Him and Ryan Jensen were chirping all day. I think he would be a tremendous fit to this. The problem is he was making 18 million last year and they're working, trying to work on a deal to bring him back. But all it takes is a guy to swoop in and, and say, Hey, Tom Brady's calling you. You know, we got the best recruiter in football. 
Tom Brady gives you a call and says, hey, what about coming down here? And, and we'll see. But what are your thoughts on Fletcher Coxon? Because the chat is all about it. <laughs> they are all about bringing Fletcher Coxon. Yeah, I, I think he could be a good fit. Um, I think traditionally he's played in a 4-3 scheme. And on nickel, nickel sets, that's not a big deal. He'll play inside. He would play it next Which to Which they day. run a lot of. Yeah, and he would, you know, uh, penetrate. Um, on the base sets, I, I'm not sure if he has a ton of experience playing the five technique and, and being a little bit more out wide. Um, I know his run defense has slipped a little over the last few years. I, there is definitely a way where he's he can be a contributor in this defense. So um, for me, though, another guy who got cut today, um, who I, I'm really into, who I think that would be a great addition to the uh, Bucks defense, is Matt Ioannidis um, out of Washington. And there's a guy who he has been fantastic against the pass over um, the last few years. He's buried to Ender at just an amazing depth chart in Washington. But every time he got on the field, he was making plays. And he's still solid against the, the run as well. And I think that he would come at a Again, I'm a cap guy, as you guys call me. So I think he'd come at a much better price tag. Um, and I think that he would be an amazing addition to the, the defense. And he definitely brings exactly what Bruce Arians was talking about at the Combine in terms of them wanting to get a little bit more of a pass rush from the interior. Either guy's going to bring that skill set. Um, one just does it at a much cheaper price. <laughs> yeah, and I agree. I think Matt Ionetis is, is is pretty much you know great for what you're getting him at. He's he's not the best run defender, right? And that's kind of, as you said, Fletcher Cox has slipped a little bit in that area, but you've got some great linebackers to make up for that. Um, last year, similar numbers, four sacks, uh, one forced fumble. Um, you had 24 solo tackles, which was, um, you know, uh, three more than what Fletcher Cox did. Still had 20 stops, 34 hurries instead of the 40-something hurries, but his pass rush was 72.3 grade from PFF, so... Run defense 55, which isn't the best, but I mean, you're looking at a guy who's going to come in much cheaper than 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 Fletcher Cox, and he was buried kind of over there, as you mentioned in Washington, with all the draft picks that they have put in there with Allen and Sweat and Young. So I mean, this is a guy I think would come in here and be able to really give exactly what you're looking for, let you still retain a William Golson on the other side, and I think even if you wanted to bring back Sue, if Sue was willing to come back as well, he could slide right in that rotation and then now your your six-man rotation right now is looking like Vita Vea, Golston, Sue, Ioannidis, um, Nacho and then maybe bring back POC or maybe you draft a guy or maybe it's Benning Potawae uh, and I think you're really set at that position and, and you know you can either address it next year in the draft where it's supposed to be a, a deeper draft at defensive tackle. We say that every year, but it's supposed to be a better draft at defensive tackle. Maybe you address it then. And, you know, but I think you'd be a very, very solid pickup. I know John is also high on him. So I'm loving that option, especially for the price point. Uh, it's just, Jason, we haven't heard anything for a while. <laughs> Make some calls, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I know, you know, Bucks fans, they're waiting for how is this roster going to get filled out? And I think that they've done a wonderful job so far. And they're, I'm sure they're in conversation. Overall, it seems like this free agency period has gone a little bit slower than ones of the past. Um, but you'll start seeing more moves over the next few weeks or a few days, I should say. Um, what I think one of the things that and I'll kind of bring it back to Fletcher Cox uh, versus Ionitis that you brought up is the relationship that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys don't know what that is. Go back and watch uh, during the season <laughs> where the game ball segment. Uh, but yeah, thanks, Elliot. Yeah, I'll probably get myself in trouble. 
That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to try and get back on my train of thought now. What I, one of the things that I think when we talk about realistically what could happen, a big part of the, what's playing at, at hand is the relationship that those players have with the teams that just let them go. You know, the reports were uh, Fletcher Cox was due a very big roster bonus that they were not going to pay. So they had to let him go before that paid out. But despite that, Fletcher Cox's people apparently are still talking with the Eagles about bringing him back. The relationship there is very solid. Now, if you look on the other side with Matt Ioannidis, I believe his agent uh, put Washington on blast. It did. In, in terms of how he was re released from the team. We don't like being lied something. Yeah, it would seem that he, him and his representation were told, we're definitely going to hold on to you. Um, he was not released prior to free agency so that he could take part in the negotiations during the legal tampering period. Teams, you know, unloaded most of their financial bullets over the first couple of days, and then he got released, which means he's not going to be able to cash in as much as he would have been able to. And the relationship there with Washington, it's probably non-existent at this point. So that means he's definitely looking at other opportunities. He does seem to fit what the Bucks could want in that position. So I think that that's a more realistic option than Fletcher Cox, who spent his entire team with, or his entire career with Philadelphia. He's won a Super Bowl with them and still genuinely seems to want to stay with them. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I think uh, if you can get him, that goes a long way. And, and I don't think the money's going to be there. But I, I keep seeing I keep seeing this name pop up. Um, and I just want your thoughts. Cole Beasley. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not for it. You know, I, I, I get it. You know, good slot guy. But what the package looks like where you're going to put Cole Beasley and Godwin out there in the slot? What's he going to command for money? I think he's he's a guy who's a little bit full of himself as he goes up there a little bit. And I don't know if he's going to be like, yeah, I'll come down for a veteran minimum and play with you guys and play with Brady, try to win a, win a championship. I think he's going to go out there and he's going to try to get some money. And I don't think the bucks have the money to afford him or, or I just don't know if he's the best fit, but what are your thoughts on Cole Beasley? Well, I think, you know, we've talked about money here and, and I don't want to go back on what I said at the beginning of this podcast, which was, <laughs> Anybody that you can think of, the Bucks can afford, and they can. They've got the flexibility to do that. I will go to Cole Beasley's skill set. Okay, he is a slot receiver, but it's a very specific slot skill. He's um, he's quick. He doesn't do much downfield, um, and he's on the smaller side, uh, the traditional slot receiver. Doesn't really fit into Bruce Arians and Byron Left, which is um, idea of a slot receiver. If you look at Chris Godwin, he's much bigger. He's a few inches taller. He's a lot have. Um, He's got a bigger build than, than Cole Beasley, and he, you know, he's used him in terms of blocking. He's a much more physical player, which is what they demand out of that position. Cole Beasley's never really been a guy who gets out wide um, and really wouldn't fit what the Bucks are looking out wide in terms of deep threat. So I don't see the fit for the offense in terms of his skill set. Cole, Cole Beasley's still a fantastic receiver. He just doesn't quite fit what the Bucks look for in a slot receiver, which is really where he thrives. So I don't see the fit there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And before we jump into the offense uh, side of the football, because there's obviously still a really big hole on this offense. You've got great receivers. You've got the best quarterback to ever do it. Gronk is coming back most likely. So you got your tight end room, you know, you could add somebody to that room, most likely right. a rookie or whatever. But behind Gronk and Brake, you're pretty set. Your offensive line, maybe you 
grab a guy like Zion Johnson or, you know, maybe you take a look at some of the other left guards out there. Maybe you trust Denny to go out there and, and compete with Leverett and Hainsey and, and that's, that's good enough for you. But the defense, again, this is a, this is a position on the side of the ball that they have not addressed yet besides Carlton Davis, which is huge. Don't get me wrong, but they have yeah. whole safety if they don't think Mike Edwards can be, you know, because Mike Edwards is going to be your free safety, and you're kind of moving Antoine Winfield in that strong safety role, who's going to play more by the box, and that's not Mike Edwards' skill set, really. So, you know, you're going to use him, ver- and also you take away the versatility of having one of those guys play play in the slot here and there. So, you know, you're looking at a potentially a strong safety that can play, or and on the defensive side, you're looking at defensive line help because all you got is Vita Vea, Benning, Potawatomi, and Kobe Smith, for some reason, is still <laughs> hanging around on this roster. What is Kobe Smith doing on this roster? Um, you know, I, and I'm high on Benning Potawae. I think if they don't really, you know, if they don't bring their POC, uh, Patrick O'Connor, I think he could potentially earn a role on this on this team. I think he's gotten better the last couple of years. In the last training camp, he was he, he really showed off. Um, but that's a spot. Maybe backup linebackers, another spot as well. Um, because obviously Kevin Minter, when Levante David was out, you could tell he was kind of cooked. He couldn't keep up with, with Devin White playing erratically. And he, he admitted it. You know, he's got to play with a little bit more discipline. Um, and, you know, if God you know, forbid that Levante David goes down for an extended period of time, KJ Britt. Yeah. KJ Britt's going to be the best coverage linebacker. Potentially to ever play the game in Levante and David. I don't think so. He's a two-down run thumper. And Grant Stewart, love Mr. Irrelevant. Great special teams guy. Led the team in tackles on special teams. But he's not the guy either. So maybe they look at linebacker, a backup linebacker who can who can fill in in case injuries hit. Another position they could also look at too, which is, you know, a lot of people look at. And, you know, they got Shaq Bear and they just drafted JTS. And no one wants to <laughs> appears. Not many people, I don't want to say no one, but not many people want to bring JPP back, you know, this year because they don't want to impede his development. But Casey Hudson Hudson does. That's right. (laughs) But there's another guy out there and a guy that I know John is huge on. And I think you'd be a great fit. And that's the Darius Smith of of the Packers who who got released, signed with the Baltimore Ravens. But then he did it. (laughs) But then he did it. (laughs) So, I mean, depending on what his contract is going to take. And again, we're looking at, you know, this is a guy, as you mentioned, not going to afford anybody. He's not going to sign a cheap deal. He's going to come on. You know, a multi-year deal, but bringing him in, what he would allow the Bucks to do is be very versatile with JTS. He played a lot of free tech, a lot in, bumped inside, and a lot of passing downs. It was very effective. So, in essence, you know, you would have that that role filled by JTS, but also, you know, you'd, you'd have Zadarius Smith also on the outside as well. So, you know, it, it's it's a thought. I don't think it's going to happen because I think part of the reason he pulled out of the Ravens deal was the money factor. Yep. After seeing what Von Miller got and what yep. some of these other guys got, I don't think it's going to happen. But talk to me about Zedaria Smith. What do you think his contract could come into, and how do you think his fit would be in this Bucks defense? Yeah, so I think, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, the the details on his contract with the Ravens had him at somewhere around a base of like nine million a year, um, yes. and the, the Ravens were being praised at getting an extremely talented player for that kind of money. What they should have done was run that contract over to him and forced him to sign it immediately right. because after that, um, after those reports came out, two big contracts got signed, and, and that was Vaughn Miller with the, the Buffalo Bills and um, uh, Chandler Jones with uh, the Raiders, right? And both of those came in at north of 17, I think almost $18 million a year. Uh, right. That's a big difference. That's double. <laughs> so I'm not saying that Smith has the track record um, that Vaughn Miller or 
uh, Chandler Jones have, but he he's up there. He's a very talented pass rusher. He's had some some injury issues over the last couple of years, but he can still bring it. Um, and so looking at that and the way he pulled out of that deal, I don't have any inside information as to what caused him to pull out, but it seems reasonable that he saw some of these other things and said, wait, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't sign yet, did I? No, I didn't <laughs> sign. Okay, let's see what else I can get. We didn't um, do the Pakistan, right? <laughs> yeah. So I could see it going uh, north of 12 and a half, 13 million dollars a year. So we talked about Tiramisu Matthew earlier, um, looking at numbers similar to that. Again, Zadari Smith, the Bucks can make the, the money work. It's all right. That gives them a lot less room to add additional people. So how do they want to fill out depth versus how do they want to fill out that starting lineup is really going to be that seesaw that they're trying to balance. Um, I think he's an incredible talent. You, you add him to Shaq Barrett and JTS. And don't forget, Anthony Nelson came along last year. And Cam Gill, he's got a good speed rush. So that's a very deep edge rusher, uh, edge rush room or outside linebacker room. Um, that's going to put a lot of fear in quarterbacks' uh, uh, minds. Anyway, it. Yeah, yeah. I, it is. yeah. I agree. So, I don't see kind of what's happening this offseason. It's an arms race. It's an arms race at quarterback, and it's an arms race at rushing the passer. And a lot of teams are stacking up, and I wouldn't mind seeing the Bucks do the same. Yeah, not a, yeah, especially if Deshaun Watson comes into this division, which it looks like he is. Apparently, reports say that he's going to take a couple of days, but he's coming to the NFC South, guys. So whether you like it or not, it's, it's going to be the Saints. He's still, you know, um, reports said he was not considering the Panthers anymore. Apparently, he still is. They're still on his list, and obviously, the Falcons, his hometown uh, hometown team that he grew up in Georgia. So those Sean Watson is coming to the NFC South and boy, what a dumpster fire that left in Cleveland. But you know, I, I think you're right. I think loading up on edge rushers, um, at, by any means is, is a solid role. And, and there's a few guys out there still, um, in free agency, Clay Campbell, uh, Clowney, Jerry Hughes, uh, Melvin Ingram, Derek Barnett, Justin Houston, of course, Barnett coming off an injury. Zedaria Smith was, you know, he didn't play much last year, but the year before, you're right, absolute stud, over an 80, 80 uh, grade per PFF with 13 sacks. But I think if you're looking at bringing in a low-cost guy who's going to be a backup, and that's my only reservation with JPP, is what's his mentality? He's been a starter the last couple of years. Is he going to make way for JTS to take a bigger role? What's his number going to come at? But I think a guy that you could afford potentially is Clay Campbell to come down here and be a sub rusher. He's up there in age. He's 35 years old. I think, you know, winning a Super Bowl is probably out at the top of his list. And I think that's a guy who could bring in on, on a cheap deal to be to add to that room. And I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to them keeping five edge rushers on the roster with, with Cam Gill, and then maybe you know even five. Five guys in the in the uh, linebacker room. If you draft a guy, I know Troy Anderson has been a guy that Matt Matera has liked a lot uh, out of Montana State. So maybe you look to that because the free agency pool of linebackers trash. So if you're getting a linebacker, it's a pretty good draft to do one. So maybe that's the way you go. But um, switching gears to the offensive side of the ball, we talked about that one position that the Buccaneers still kind of have a question mark at. They got Keyshawn Vaughn, which if you talk to Bruce Arians, he could be a feature back. I don't think so. But, um, you know, obviously the biggest name out there is this guy. It's Leonard Fournette, right? What are the chances he comes back? What is he looking at for a contract? What do you think he would command? Because you see the market hasn't really moved that much. It's moves for some of the third down backs, the lower tier guys. And the first two guys to go were uh, John Connor for $7 million back to Arizona and Chase Edmonds for 6 Projections had him around 8 or $9 million. Where do you think Leonard Fournette comes and do you think there's a real interest to bring him back to Tampa? 
I think there could be. I mean, uh, Fournette had uh, a much better season in, in 2021 than he did in 2020. Of course, there was the playoff Lenny run, the Lombardi Lenny run. He had an incredible playoff run in 2020, and he followed that up with a really good season in 2021. Um, he, he improved in his pass blocking. He improved in his receiving skills. Um, he ran hard. He, he set a, a, a career high in yards per carry. So there's, I would think that there's at least some interest from Tampa Bay. It all comes down to the number, right? At the beginning of um, free agency, I think PFF had uh, his projections somewhere around $7 million a year. Um, every day that we go by where he isn't signed, that number is probably coming down. So a lot of it just comes down to what's the cost going to be. Um, I think that he's not the only name out there. I think you could see, find some pretty cool skill sets that would work well in this offense in uh, a couple of other names that are still available. Uh, Corderell Patterson from Atlanta, and you take him and Russell Gage off of Atlanta and add them to Tampa Bay, and that's just rubbing salt in the wound, which, hey, that sounds good to me. Um, and then you also have uh, Melvin uh, Gordon. Uh, who played very well for Denver last year. So those two guys, I think, are also ones to keep an eye on to see if the Bucks maybe bring them in. A lot of it's just going to come down to uh, the length of the deal, how much guaranteed money is on there, and then, of course, how much per year. Um, I don't see the Bucks spending more than 4 to $5 million per year on whatever free agent running back they may bring in. So I think that it, it really comes down to who's going to get in that price range. Yeah, you mentioned Patterson, and obviously uh, Scott has showed no holds barred when it comes to his affinity for adding a guy like him who can be a, a dual threat for you really in the passing game and the running game. Last year finished with 618 yards and six touchdowns, four yards a carry, which is pretty solid numbers. And as a receiving threat, he's just dynamic. I mean, 52 receptions, 548 yards, five touchdowns. One of those was on on the, the Buccaneers as well. So if you can bring a guy like him in, I think that that solves, you know, it lets you get really creative how you use him. Uh, another guy you mentioned there too is Melvin Gordon. I really like Melvin Gordon uh, a lot. I think he'd be a great fit. Um, you know, looking at what he did last year, 918 yards, splitting time with Javante Williams, eight touchdowns, four and a half yards of carry, which is pretty good in that division. Uh, you know, his rushing grade was up there in the 83.4 receiving, not so much, but he still pulled in 28 receptions for 213 yards and two touchdowns. Did have three drops. You, you hate those drops and three fumbles, but I think he could definitely come in here and be a solid contributor for this Buccaneers team. Another guy that I like um, who I know Scott likes as well is someone who hasn't had any production, but from week 11 on was one of the most productive running backs in the NFL. And that's a guy named Rashad Penny out of Seattle. Now he's not getting a lot of noise, not going to make a lot of money. I think probably around 12 million, but he finished the season um, with 749 yards and six touchdowns with a 6.3 yards per carry up in that division against guys like Aaron Donald and, and uh, San Francisco's D line. And I mean, so, I mean, I think he'd be a good get uh, again, though, uh, with him and the next guy that I'm, that I'll mention um, six receptions, 48 yards with a drop. It's not really, that's not really what you want out of a, a receiving option in this, in this offense. But what are your thoughts on a, on a Rashad Penny um, as a low, low cost guy? And, you know, if Leonard's not back, are you more on the Patterson bandwagon or are you more looking at a true runner like a Melvin Gordon? Yeah, so I think out of all of those options, I, I, I think I like Patterson the best. 
um, because he is kind of like a, a Swiss Army knife. You can use him in so many different ways. He's, he's a weapon, and he forces defenses to account for him in a multitude of ways. Uh, much like uh, kind of when you're finishing up the defense, talking about Campbell, you know, Campbell can play all along the defensive line. He can play five, three, one technique. So um, he allows you a lot of versatility there. So I, I'm a big fan of, of players who can bring in um, a skill set that's multifaceted. So Patterson's probably my favorite. I did have Penny as, I, I believe, a part of my Bucks battle plan. Um, when you consider, again, the upside, um, because he shouldn't command that much money because of his injury history. Uh, but you look at what he was able to do down the stretch last year. He was that Seattle offense in the back half. And uh, I was very impressed with that. And in the Bruce Arians, you know, run scheme, the, the offense Byron, Byron left, which runs, it's a duo scheme. You know, I think that his physical running style plays very well for that. You can get through the gap and he, he runs hard. So I really do like that. Um, but as you mentioned, it's a bit of a limited skill set. And it may not play well enough for what the Bucks are looking for in a complete back. So, yeah. but I think they're all interesting options who can add a level to this offense that will help um, improve it. Yeah, and I think another guy who fits that bill is Sony Michelle for the Rams. Sorry about the picture; is the best is the best quality picture I could find of him, and it's still not that great. Just running through an open hole against the Bucks. What is that, Nelson and, and Devin White right there, just cruising on by? But I think he's another guy. He's a north to south run. He's not a skilled receiver. He's not going to, but he's one of the best pass protectors in the league, and he's also a guy who's got great familiarity with Tom Brady. Won a Super Bowl with him um, yeah. and Shaq Mason for that matter. So he knows Shaq's tendencies a little bit when he's uh, when he's opened up holes for running backs. So I think he'd be another fit. I've seen some people in the comments kind of mention him too, and I, I'm looking at a guy like Sony Michelle. Like, again, it's just like Fournette. The longer he sits, you know, I think they had him projected around $6 million, $5 million a year as well for a contract. I think you could probably get either him or Penny for a cheaper deal. I expect the Bucks to sign two running backs. Now, what their skill sets are, what they do is going to be interesting to see, but I expect fully expect them to get two running backs in free agency this year to add to Keyshawn Vaughn and then address it in the draft. So um, looking at a guy like Sony Michelle, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that move at all. Of course not. I wouldn't mind that move. I had it in my battle plan. Uh, John had it in his battle plan as well. So it's a guy that we've both been impressed with. But, um, you know, I think that's that's a guy you can do. So, I mean, if, if you tell me that you can go out there, get, you know, Yonitis, uh Taran Matthew will be your big guy, and then you go out and get maybe, you know, a Calais Campbell as a backup, you know, and then, and then one of those two guys, uh, maybe a Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, and I think you can afford all those guys while bringing Golston back and bringing Gronk back. I think that would be a really successful offseason. You've upgraded, obviously, at right guard. You've upgraded at the safety position, and you brought in some key veteran guys that can, can plug and play on your defensive line, backup edge rushing guy, and, and then a good running back or two as well. It's probably a pipe dream um, that they can bring all those guys in. I think you're probably looking at maybe one or two tops, maybe three. But, you know, I, I think if the Bucks could do it, it, it would make for a great offseason. And if you're looking right now at the NFC and what's happening with Devontae Adams leaving the AFC, really just stealing all their players, I think now we talk about all in, right? We talk about going all in to build the best roster you can. you got to take advantage of Tom Brady's years. Well, 
kicking that can down the road and opening up that cap space to bring in multiple players, even if they're on one-year contracts and you have to put void years and take that hit. I think that's what you need to do. And adding some of those, those top players is exactly what you want to do. The problem is, Josh, is how do you open up the cap space and do it? Because as of right now, they're only sitting at around $12 million once that Shaq Mason goes through. What are the other ways that they can open up cap space before we get out of here to make bigger moves and make those splashes, afford their draft picks, have some money left over for the season in case there's any in-season stuff uh, because they're going to need that money as we saw last year. But how do they do that? Who's left to restructure after they've done Evans and Brait and also um, extending Godwin and, and Shaq Barrett? Yeah, so there's three big ones that, that are left that you could uh, extend or restructure, and that's um, uh, left tackle Donovan Smith, uh, obviously Tom Brady's contract itself, and then Levante David. Um, so those are the three big ones. You also have some other fringe moves that they could make, and, and I'm, I'm, I want to be very clear on this. I have no inside information, but both of your special teamers have contracts that could open up some cap room in terms of uh, Bradley Pinion, he's his cap hits 2.9 million. There's no dead money if the Bucks let him go. Um, uh, Ryan Suckup, the kicker, uh, he's on the cap for four million, and letting him go, I think, saves one and a half or two and a half million. So you've got some money there that you could also open up um, to to get some of these deals in. Um, so and both of those players have competition already on the roster that's set for. Um, for, for training camp. Uh, Sterling Hoffrichter, uh, the punter who, who used to be in Atlanta, he's on the Bucks roster, and um, Jose Borregales. Uh, say B. his name, John. John refuses to say his name. We'll only call him J Jose B. Jose B, yeah. So, you know, I, I know that uh, you know Bruce Arians has publicly said that there's going to be a, a, an open competition between him and Ryan Suckup this year. Um, he's very high on, high on Jose B. So there are some of the moves that they can make. Uh, and I think I mentioned earlier, Shaq Mason, once he's on the team, um, he uh, his contract could be uh, could be opened up and they could kick some of it down the road. Um, Long Lost Glazer. Yeah, Long Lost Glazer has a great point. Devin White is eligible for a contract extension. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. That's a great point that that is something that they could look to. I think as of right now, the team seems to be set on going with a fifth-year option for him um, and, and, and seeing what he can do this year and potentially next year before they go for the long-term deal. But you're absolutely right. That is an avenue that they can explore. So I just want to ask you, because I, I gauged my Twitter, my Twitter followers and I put out a poll. There was over like 530 people who participated who do you want to see the Bucks bring back next? Like if you could say from their own guys, if you could say who do you want to bring them bring back to the roster, who would it be? And then I'll tell you the results of the poll. What what were the different options that you put okay, in? Okay, I'll give you the options. What Burnett. if I go with like Pat O'Connor? I don't know. I don't <laughs> Zach know if, Schreiner. if anybody else voted for Pat O'Connor. So it was Leonard Fournette, William Golson, Adam Kasu, and JPP. Out of those four players, which one is to you priority to bring back to this roster? For me, it's Golston. Yeah, he's he's one of the original bucks uh, from this roster. Um, he's played at a very high level across a bunch of different defenses over the years, um, and he had his best year ever last year. He set a career high in sacks. Um, he continued to play the run stoutly, and, and I would love to see Golston continue to play for the Bucks and end his career as a buck. 
So I, 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 a few years ago, I did a, a, a Tampa Bay Bucks uh, 5K, and he was their guest of honor. So there's a little bit of a personal bias there, um, but I would really enjoy Golston. Anyone who's met Golston, there's a personal bias there. He's just a great guy. But yeah, um, you know, I, I'm with you. I think Golston, you really look what he did in his third year, was able to get after the pass rusher more. Very underrated, um, you know, run stuffer and player in, in general. I, you know, I compare him, and I always – you know, caveat this, that he's not the player Simeon Rice is. He's not the player Richard Seymour is. But and, and I spoke to him before the Super Bowl, and he's like, I'm that lunch pail player. I just come to work, and I do my job. And that summarizes Wilson to a T. He just comes to work, does his job, and quietly is just super effective at it, barely ever in the wrong position to make plays, doesn't really, um, you know, doesn't really get penalized often. So I'm I'm agreeing with you. I think that, that William Golson is the next guy that I would want to bring back out of their own free agents. But Twitter did not agree. Twitter did not agree. And a landslide, Leonard Fournette, 52%, 52% of Twitter users on my page. And whoever else voted? I don't know. Maybe you're not on my page. But 52% wanted to bring Leonard Fournette. Golston was second with 23%. Adam Kasu was at 19%. And for some reason, 6% of people voted for JPP. How many Listen, times was Casey Hudson allowed to vote? She, Casey Hudson must have made like, 30 burners last night and just smashing JPP's percentage. He's like, it's not going any higher. Uh, but, but uh, you know, I think JPP, I mean, I appreciate everything he did. He was a big part of the culture change. And, and, but I just think that at this point, coming off injuries was a liability last year, even though, you know, even when, though he was playing with an injury, obviously it was your own only Pro Bowl the year before. But I think JPP, and I can't speak for him, himself, but to me, I don't think he's a guy who's going to be comfortable in taking a back seat the JTS. I think he's going to want to look for somewhere where he can go out there and get, you know, starter snaps and be really effective. But, you know, you got to give him all the love, all the credit for what he's done for this Buccaneers organization. And again, you know, the 6% is a little crazy too, because he's recovering from a torn rotator cuff. And at his age, I don't see him getting signed. And this has been said by almost everyone at Peter Report until at least right before training camp when teams can gauge his health a little bit better. So, you know, love JPP, but, you know, 6%, Casey Hudson, you got to stop making burners to vote for him. Um, <laughs> other than that, guys, I really appreciate y'all coming to this Peter Report podcast late night section. If you could do me one more thing before you get out of here, before we get out of here, please, if you haven't done it, subscribe to the Peter Report TV YouTube channel. Hit that like button. Please, it takes two seconds to just hit that like button if you're on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, make sure you switch over to YouTube because YouTube's a place to be at. Um, and make sure you subscribe. Hit that notification. Hit that like button. It helps our SEO. It helps get us more viewers. It brings us more money, which allows us to do more creative and fun things for you. But that being said, I would like to just thank again. Thank you guys for all coming out tonight. Um, I know it was a last-minute late edition pod at 8.30, starting real late. So. Uh, again, thank you guys for Josh Quapo, for myself, J.C. Allen, here at Pewter Report Podcast. Have a wonderful night. Let's expect some good news coming this weekend with some more Bucks news. And with that being said, we're out. Out.